Okay, good. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Diet Ride Podcast with Brooke and Alyssa Miller, both dietitians, both from the Midwest, both. Why did I run out of stuff already? We both live moms. In, <laughs> both live in Denver. There we go. She remembers. Both love intuitive eating. And food. And podcasts. Yes. All right. <laughs> now I'm it. officially out. And today we are um, really excited to share another guest with you guys. We've got Claire and she is from the Yours Truly podcast, which I absolutely love and totally recommend checking out. And she also has her own private practice. So we're going to send it over to her to introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her and what she does. Yes. Hi, Brooke and Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me on the Diet Riot podcast. My boyfriend last night was like, what's your schedule look like tomorrow? And I told him that I was being interviewed on the podcast and I mentioned the name of your podcast and he thought it was the coolest thing ever. He's like, that's way cooler than your podcast name. Ah, a lot for the support. Thanks, jerk. <laughs> well, I will have to tell my husband because he came, he came up, up with, with it, it yeah. in like 0.2 seconds flat. I was like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. And he was like, Diet Riot. Immediately Diet Riot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I that's pretty it. awesome. I and your boyfriend's it. name is Aiden, right? It is. You Ooh, have, I feel kind of like a creep. has a son, correct, named Aiden? That's me. Yeah. <laughs> My son's name is Aiden. So every time you talk about it, I'm like, oh, an adult Aiden. It's so cool to see. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, that's true. I actually don't know any like um, adult adults Aiden's. named yeah. Aiden. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of kids, but that's funny. Now we know one. I feel like names kind of come in seasons. Like um, he's talked about on the street where he grew up, he knew like three other Aidens. And I've never. Uh-oh. We lost her. Oh, no. Claire, can you hear us? <laughs> oh. Hey, can you hear us? Both of you paused at the same time, and I was like, they're either being really still or <laughs> So uh, is it coming across okay now? Are we good? Yes, yes, I heard it. The last thing we heard was that Aiden uh, grew up with other Aidens on his street. Yes. Um, coincidentally, he knew like three or four others, and I had never met someone with that name either. But uh, recently, as I like creep on people on Instagram who have adorable babies, I'm realizing <laughs> that Aiden is becoming a popular name. So maybe it's the season it of sure Aiden back. I'm not really sure. But yeah, long story short, he loved the name of your guys's podcast. And uh, here I am now. So thank you so much for having me today. I love connecting with fellow dietitians, fellow podcasters. Um, like he said, my name is Claire Tuning. Um, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, Arlington to be exact. Many Washington, D.C.ers will get angry if you say you live in D.C., but you actually live in Virginia. So I actually live in Virginia, but we're about <laughs> a, a mile out. And yeah, I run my private practice that goes by the name of yours, Chuli Nutrition, pun intended on my last name. I love it. Your puns. We love puns. <laughs> love so much. Um, I never thought I would meet someone who loves puns more than me until I met Claire. So. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned. If you ask me questions that lend to puns later on in the episode, you might get some rapid fire, but all of my clients can resonate <laughs> awesome. that 
they they usually don't leave a coaching call without hearing like a cringeworthy pun. So um, <laughs> yeah, I Incredible. run my private practice um, full time out of my home here, and it's all virtual. And I take an intuitive eating, help at every size, aligned approach with my clients, and it's super cool to be able to connect with people from all over the United States and sometimes even outside of the country. So yeah, that's a little bit of a, a snippet of who I am and what I do. And I couldn't be happier to be here with you guys. That's awesome. But you also left out um, that you love avocados, right? Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I think you have it very, very wrong. <laughs> we, we were even going back and forth on DM. You were like, we can talk about how much you love avocados. I'm like, Please, no, let's not. I'm maybe, hopefully not the only dietitian you'll meet, but I'm one of the few I really don't enjoy avocados. It's like the texture, the taste. Like I get kind of squirmy even about it. But um, peanut butter and peanut butter and jelly—that's my love. So we could talk about that all day. I think long. that's fair. Peanut yeah, my jellies are good. My husband hates avocados. So he does. You know, yeah, he hates. I them. thought about bringing avocado toast to this little interview so you could see me eating it, but then I thought that'd be a little aggressive for our first time meeting. <laughs> Right. First time um, meeting, you come to the meeting with something that the guest really doesn't smashed like. avocados. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I asked you this before on your Instagram. Have you tried peanut butter and jelly sandwich with pretzels in the middle? Because it's a game changer. Game changer. You know, I don't think I have. I'm a big fan of crunchy so peanut good. butter because I like the crunch, but I can imagine pretzels added into the mix would add more crunch, more salt, more savory. I'm about it. I'll have to try it next time. I would highly recommend it. It's so good. Well, anyways, okay. So thanks for coming on our podcast. So the first kind of question we have for you um, is really how you got here. So what brought you to the intuitive eating landscape? Did you learn about it in school? Because Brooke and I have talked about the fact that we have not. We did not learn about intuitive eating or health at every size in school. Um, But now I have heard that they're teaching it in courses, which is awesome, including at my alma mater. So that's awesome. Yeah. Like it's part, it's not their entire course, but it's part of it, which is pretty cool. So um, yeah. How'd you get into this side of dietetics? Yeah, I love it. Um, Unfortunately, I was not taught this approach in school. I have heard some of the people who are either in school right now or they've maybe graduated a little bit more recently. I have heard that there are some classes at some schools and universities where the professor might be a little bit I'm putting air quotes around progressive because it's really not progressive, but um, they're, they're willing to explore this different approach. So that makes me really excited, but I did not come across this until the very end of my internship. So same, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. I um, will never forget the day that I walked into the library around Christmas break from my internship. And I was like, well, I might as well read something over Christmas break. And I was walking down the, of course, the cookbooks and the fitness and nutrition aisles of the library. And I pulled out intuitive eating and it was the original version of the book that came out in 1995 that had like red and blue on the cover. I was like, well, this might be a worthwhile read, right? I picked it up totally, and I've never gone back because uh, I actually grew up with a very, what I would call intuitive relationship with food. I give major props to my family and my parents for letting me be rather autonomous. And of course they bought the food and they brought it in and I couldn't go hog wild, but I was able to put food on my plate that I really enjoyed. And I was very privileged to have access to that and to a family who 
let me be rather autonomous around food. And because of that, I loved food growing up. And there's no surprise why I ended up being a dietitian. But I kind of felt like in my schooling to become a dietitian, my own relationship with food that was really positive growing up and that was really awesome started to get a little bit weird and a little bit tangled as I started learning about calorie tracking and the air quote weight management approach. And I didn't realize until I found the intuitive eating book that, oh my goodness, this is actually a thing with research behind it that I can help people walk through this approach so that they don't have to be exposed as much to the relationship with food that I was taught in school that kind of led me down a more negative and disordered path. So it was very serendipitous that I came across this book and I thought to myself, wow, this gives me words and phrases and research studies to what I air quote knew as a kid, but now mm-hmm. I can practice this as a dietitian. So I love it. And having people like you who see eye to eye make me very excited that we're going somewhere, right? It's going to, it's a movement. Yeah. Yes. It's totally taken off and it's taken a while. I mean, you, like you said, the first one came out back in 1995 or somewhere around there. Um, so it's definitely taken a while, but now it feels like it's kind of caught fire. And I was kind of the same way growing up. Um, I had a really good relationship with food. My parents never controlled or forced or took food away or restricted or anything like that, which is really awesome. I know you talk a lot about like a candy jar while you were growing up, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Can you talk a little bit more to that of how that kind of impacted your relationship with food or candy and treats specifically? Because I know that's a big one for parents to deal with, with kids. We just went through Halloween. It's kind of tough. So can you talk a little bit more more about that philosophy? Yeah, totally. I was going to say this is the perfect perfect time for this question. I don't know when you guys will air this episode, but we just passed Halloween. And I actually thought about this candy jar analogy or the experience I had a lot. So when I was growing up, we had a candy jar in my house. There was a wooden buffet. I don't know if it's actually called a buffet. My mom always (laughs) called it that, but it was this big antique piece of furniture with drawers in the middle and two two cabinets on the right and the left-hand side. And in the left-hand side lived a jar. I feel like I'm telling a children's novel, but lived a (laughs) jar that was filled with candy. So it was filled with leftover Halloween candy. And whenever I would go to a birthday party and come home with candy or, you know, holiday parties at school, any time where I had too much candy that an only child could not finish it all on her own. So this kind of accumulated throughout the year. And I had very open access to this candy. So I was never told that I could only eat it at a certain time of day. I was never told that I could only have one piece or that I had to do X, Y, and Z before I could have that. So I grew up having this very normal and easeful relationship with the candy because I knew it was always going to be there. And I didn't get the sense that it was morally superior to something like broccoli. Well, of course, I knew they were different. And I knew we weren't going to have, you know, candy sitting on the plate at dinner, but I also knew that I wasn't a better or a worse daughter or a kid for having one over the other. So I was always really surprised or kind of confused when friends would come over to my house and they would get (laughs) nuts around the candy, which... Their parents were probably not a fan of my family. (laughs) Could go home, maybe having more candy than they were ever allowed to. But I had such a hard time understanding why they thought that was so unique and why they had a hard time, air quote, controlling themselves around the candy because it was just always there for me. So now I realize 
as the intuitive eating dietitian, <laughs> that that is the phenomena of, you know, food habituation, right? The more we expose ourselves to these foods that are bad or off limits, the less our response to them will be over time. Of course, didn't know that as a kid, but I look back at that time in my life and I'm just very grateful that I had that experience because I feel like it's a really awesome teaching moment for many of my clients now. Yeah, absolutely. I feel yeah. like that would play in a big effect on like your childhood and your relationship with food. So that's really cool. Yeah. I just, I feel like a lot of my friends growing up, they had like the access to the candy and I loved going to their house because I grew up in a different household. Like (laughs) we didn't have sugar cereal. We didn't have soda. We didn't have candy. And so I would like, I was that kid to go a little nuts when I would go (laughs) to my friend's house and I would like chug Mountain Dew and eat Cheetos. And you know, by the time I like got to high school, I didn't, I don't, I don't know. I didn't care as much. I feel like I, I've never been a picky eater, so I just kind of eat whatever's in front of me. So if people offer me vegetables, I'll eat vegetables. But if people offer me cake, I'm going to eat cake. So Mm -hmm. it's just, luckily I'm not picky, but I feel like it could have turned out really bad for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely just stuff, you know, we all have to kind of unlearn from either our childhood or our college years or um, anytime that we've been exposed to anything where it's restrictive or diet culture related, we have to kind of unlearn that, right? And that is a process. So in your practice specifically, Mm -hmm. when you're working with clients, What's something that you see come up over and over again um, that maybe surprised you or that you just find really interesting, kind of a common theme? Well, there's a lot of them. (laughs) But if I had to pick one, I was actually having a conversation with a client earlier and she flat out said, Claire, I had no idea this process was going to be so up here. And she pointed to her head. She's Mm -hmm. like, I had no idea that this process was largely going to be about how I talk about food and how I view food and how I think about food and not as much as focused on the actual food or the nutrition composition. Of, of foods themselves. So I think a common theme that many of my clients come to me saying or feeling is that food is a point of negativity and stress in their lives. And they feel very quote unquote out of control around those foods like the candy or you know energy dense foods like donuts, sodas, et cetera, um, because A, their self-talk about them is so negative and it kind of sends them into that shame spiral when they are exposed to them, but also they're not allowing themselves access to those foods because we live in a diet culture that says you can't, you shouldn't, you won't, or else you're a really bad person or you don't care about your health. So I think a really common theme in many, if not all of the people who come to me are how do I unlearn all of these beliefs around food? So that kind of like I said about the candy and the broccoli a few moments ago, we can view all foods as morally equal. Of course, later down the line, we talk about gentle nutrition and how different foods have different nutrients and they nourish the bodies in different ways. But in the beginning, how can we just start to level the playing field with food so that we don't have really emotionally charged experiences with the food because it's really hard to have that positive and joyful relationship if all we're saying is I can't, I shouldn't, I won't, or diet culture told me not to. So does that kind of answer your question? I feel like the the wording around food is very common when people come to me. Yeah. And then what do you feel like, um, what's like a major step that people have to take to really reach a breakthrough? Like, can you give us an example of some breakthroughs that your clients have had? 
Yeah, perfect. Um, practice, 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 right? So something that I tell nearly all of my clients when they first come to me, because if we're living in this diet culture that teaches us 30 days is the answer, right? Or six <laughs> Yes. The first thing that we have to do is just set the expectation that if it has taken you months, years, even decades for some people to get to this point in your relationship with food where you wanted to reach out to someone like myself for help, then it's probably going to take a lot of time and patience and self-compassion to turn that around. So I think the first step is just kind of leveling the playing field and setting that expectation that this journey is going to be different, that it's going to require energy and attention and hard work, but a lot of compassion for yourself. And then usually the next next step. It depends on the person. As you guys know, as dietitians, everything is highly individualized and everybody's different. But something that I will have many of my clients do is over the first couple weeks or months of us working together, I'll have them create a note on their phone since we're all like phone people and we have our phones <laughs> attached to us like a fifth limb. And I'll sure have do. them create a note on their phone and they'll label it like food rules or what the food police says. So anytime that they have a nourishment experience, I like to call them that instead of meals or snacks, but every time they go to eat something and they hear a voice in their head that's rooted in a lot of negativity or fear, I say, okay, why don't we just address that? We don't have to judge it or shame ourselves, but we address it and we just write it down to create a little bit of awareness around what food that is, maybe where we were, who was around us, so we can start to find any common theme. And we can also start to use a little bit of actual nutrition science. We can use a little bit of self-compassion to figure out are those things true or are they lies that we've heard from diet culture? Are they things that we've picked up from years of dieting that might not be serving us? So I really think for most people, just getting some awareness around those rules and how they show up can be really helpful. And many of my clients have actually told me it's kind of like a cathartic thing to just write those things down because many people come to me and they say, well, I've never said this out loud before, or I never realized how many rules that I've had until now. And even writing them down and showing them to me can just be a healing exercise to say, hey, I have some work to do, but at least I know what I'm working on. Um, so those are a couple things that I'll have people do. And then breakthroughs proceed from there. <laughs> yeah, yes. I love that. That's so that's such a cool idea. Yeah, Brooke and I have talked even just even as dietitians or even people who have been on like an intuitive eating journey, you know, for a long time, we still have these food rules either seep in again or um that you never even realized were a food rule. And so I really love your idea of writing it down, especially on your phone cuz I've told a lot of people to write it down, but uh you know, you're not always around paper and pen. So your yep, phone is yep. awesome because you always have it with you. Um, and like you said, bringing it out in the open and writing it down and sharing it with someone really relieves that food rule of its power over you, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have things in your head and even myself, I've talked about like bagels. Bagels for me were like an off-limit food. Like don't eat bagel. It's got no nutrition to it. It's high in carb. It's going to make you crash. All these silly rules that I had around a bagel. And then when I actually talk about it out loud, it it almost sounds silly now where I'm like, right. gosh, what a silly rule for me to have. How about I just eat the bagel, see how I feel and see how I interpret, you know, the way that it makes me feel and the way that it um, gets me through my day and see if that that actually has any value to it. So I really love that idea of speaking out loud and, and taking the power away from kind of that food. 
Um, so we've had a lot of people contact us through our podcast or through um, our personal Instagrams or whatnot about um, losing weight. So they always come, even though I'm very, I feel like I'm very forefront, like upfront yeah. information about we're not here for the weight loss. We don't um, promote it. We don't want you to focus on it. It's not a part of intuitive eating. And although weight is just a symptom of maybe what you might be eating or might not be eating, it's not something you should ever focus on. Do you have a lot of clients come to you saying, Hey, I want to hire you to help me lose weight. And how would you handle that situation? I think the the more I've been in my private practice, the less I will have people coming to me and saying that um, simply because kind of like you said, we want to put it in our messaging. We want to be upfront with, you know, it's not bad if you want to lose weight because everyone is right. entitled to their own lived experience, but that's just not what I'm here to help individuals do. So I feel like before I kind of crafted my message and I was very out there on social media being clear about what I do, I definitely would have people come to me and fill out a coping coaching application and they say, I love what you're doing, right? I love how you talk about food and how you have no food rules, but can you help <laughs> me lose weight, right? There's always that but. And right. now I don't have that happening as much, um, thankfully. However, kind of to answer the second part of your question back when it would happen, the first thing I do, um, even if it happens now, I always validate, right? I say, hey, you're entitled to whatever experience you have in your own body. I have no idea what it feels like to live in your body. So I want to hold space for that conversation. I never want anybody to bring up weight with the weight neutral air quote here, uh, intuitive eating dietitian and feel like they can't talk about it. So I say sure. we can hold space for conversation about weight and how you feel in your body. But in my personal approach, I will not help you intentionally lose weight because we know that in the long term, studies show that two to five years, any intentional weight loss is not maintained through healthy or through non-dieting measures. So what I tell them then is we can totally focus on healthy behaviors like drinking enough water or managing your stress or you know, eating foods that you have access to and find really satisfying or moving your body in a way that interests you and you have accessible to your level of ability. And maybe some of those behaviors might lead to weight loss, I don't really know. Um, they could not lead to weight loss at all. Or for some people, our bodies might need to be larger than they are now to support our life and to support that genetically set set point. But since weight in and of itself isn't a behavior, then that's not something that we're going to focus on in our time together. And I always tell people, you know, if that drives with you, if you're willing to focus on health promoting behaviors, unattached or disassociated from weight loss, I'm your girl. But if that's not you, that's also okay. And I can refer you to someone else who might align with what you'd like better. But I think it's very important, and I'm sure you guys would agree, to just be very upfront. Like, that's okay. It's just not what I do. Because if we're not upfront like that, then we have unhappy clients because they're not getting what they wanted. And we feel like our energy is pulled in a lot of different directions because we're not coaching in a way that aligns with us. Like, would you agree? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you put that really well. I think you are much more patient about it than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times whenever I get those emails, you know, I just, I have to shake my head because I do think there's a lot of, unfortunately, people out there um, promoting intuitive eating as a weight loss solution. Totally. Yeah. And that is really frustrating for um, the community of intuitive eating dietitians and health professionals because 
Um, it's so harmful and it's taking this really great message, like you said, of um, how we were born, how we should innately eat and how we um, react and respond to food and then attaching that weight component to it, which can actually be very harmful in the long run. So it's very frustrating. So I applaud you for being so diplomatic and nice about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't heard... usually email negative things, but it does. It gets me a, a little riled up. So yeah. yeah. Well, I've heard some people say like, oh, I've tried intuitive eating, but it didn't work for me. Yes. And it's like, well, how long did you try it? <laughs> What right. did you try? And what do you mean it didn't work for you? Do you mean like you didn't lose five pounds in a month? Like what What do you mean? Because it will work. It's just yeah, what's what your you, measurement what's your of success? Goal? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was actually just listening to a podcast with um, Evelyn Triboli actually. Uh-huh. And she was just talking about um, how it's not it's not this book that you read and you instantly get it right. Like, um, Oh, this all clicked. And now I'm an intuitive eater. (laughs) It's you put in the work, you put in the practice it's day after day, bite by bite. Um, and actually building that trust with your body at every meal, every snack or every nourishment opportunity you said you call it. Uh (laughs) I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where you kind of put in the work and yeah, you could call yourself an intuitive eater, but it's really after you do the work and, and push through kind of those breakthroughs or those boundaries and those mental food rules that you have on yourself that you can really find that food freedom and then carry it on throughout your life. Like we all know calling diets a lifestyle is very frustrating to us as dietitians, but intuitive eating really is lifelong. It's the last thing you're ever going to need. You're not going to have to sign back up for another diet or whatnot. And for it to quote unquote work, it's more like you said up here in our heads, right? Um, it's our mental and, um, I don't know, physiological response to hunger and to how we treat food and our relationship with food that we're working on here. It's not the weight. It's not the physical component that so many diets really focus on. So I think that's really great. It's such a good response to people. And I think too, uh, a couple of things that you said there is what makes it really hard for people, right? Because if we're not giving them that concrete, do this thing and achieve this exact outcome or achieve this exact goal, it's really hard to wrap our heads around what it even is that we're doing, right? Because we can Mm -hmm. use words like food freedom or feel less stressed around food, but that's going to look different for everybody. And if people haven't experienced that in a really long time, it can almost seem kind of demotivating when we're in the middle of this journey and we don't feel like we're quote unquote striving for that specific outcome. Because if it's not something we've had in the recent past, if it's, you know, something that's up here in our heads more than like physically in our bodies, then it can be a little bit confusing and it can be kind of frustrating. But What I always say to people is progress is not linear on this journey, right? We would like for the progress to be linear and for every day to be better than the previous day. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. It's a bunch of ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster. However, over time, the summation of all of those little points on the up and down graph that will lead us to a point where we are better off, but it takes some creativity. It takes patience and curiosity with ourselves to, to get to that point, which is just something so new and so different from the world of dieting. If that's what people have been living in for a really long time. Well, and even like a lot of diets promise things like do this for 21 days and you'll yeah. lose 10 pounds. And it's like, you there's no way you can guarantee how many 
pounds a person will lose. Like, you know, nothing about their history, you know, nothing about their genetics. Like, so when I see things like that, I'm like just cringing because no diet can promise a specific number of pounds you're going to lose. And it's really unfortunate that we've pulled into this um, diet culture that basically someone else who's never even seen our face, never met us, never even exchanged any sort of um, niceties anywhere, Mm -hmm. thinks that they know better for our bodies than we know ourselves. And that's what I work on, you know, on the side is really teaching parents how to keep and preserve their child's innate ability to intuitively eat so that they grow up in an environment where they feel safe and feel like they can trust their body so that when someone comes in and says, Hey, I know what you need. You need this new shake or you need this diet pill or you need this or that. They actually have enough confidence and belief in themselves and trust in their own body over time that they can ignore it (laughs) or say, actually, I don't need that. Or that's not actually going to serve me and my body. Um, you actually totally touched on one of my um, next questions was, do you think recovery is linear? (laughs) So we kind of already answered that. Um, But I think that what you said was just really important that going into an intuitive eating, um, you should really expect a a non-linear or an up and down roller coaster of how you're going to recover with food and how you're going to bring in that um, mental clarity around food and feel less stressed. It, it is a large roller coaster. And over time, we expect those highs and lows to kind of um, teeter off and get high, get less high and get less low. Mm-hmm. But it's always going to be there. Whereas I think a diet tends to promise this like immediate result or you're immediately going to lose weight or whatever they, however they measure success. And then it's going to be like that for the rest of your life, which we know, you know, as you cited the research before is absolutely not true. So I think that's just really important to be upfront with our clients and and people as well, that this is not going to be a one and done learned and, and for the rest of our lives now we're this perfect intuitive eater because there's no way to be an imperfect or a perfect intuitive eater. Yeah. Um, and I liked what you said about being adventurous and being, uh, what, what was the word you used? Creative? No. Curious? Creative? Curious. <laughs> Curious. <the> yes. <laughs> yeah. All those words. Um, I love that because sometimes people want to come to me for meal plans and they're like, just give me a meal plan. I'll follow the meal plan. I can be an intuitive eater. Just give me a meal plan. And it's like, no, you have to experience different foods and figure out what works for your body, what doesn't, how, how you feel after eating a certain food and on which day. Because sometimes that can change, right? Certain foods on certain days can make us feel great. And then other days it doesn't feel so good or we're not interested in it or it doesn't have that satiety factor. There's so many different factors around eating that changes daily. So it's really important, I think, to um, get people to kind of be creative and get interested in food and try foods that they've sworn off for the rest of their life again and see how their body responds and really tune in. So I really loved how you said that. Yeah. Well, and there's like, there's like a difference between giving clients new recipes to try like hey you like chicken here are some creative ways to use chicken that you don't use so it's like one thing to give them recipes but yeah just giving them a basic meal plan of I give all my clients this it doesn't matter your age your weight your gender your like I don't care if you don't like fish eat it yeah Yeah, like I mean I don't care if you have allergies like this is (laughs) the meal plan I make you know and so it's like we can't just like give people cookie cutter meal plans. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I actually learned so much from my son. Um, he's three, almost four, uh, my little baby, but I learned so much from him. Actually, some things he says are really profound. So he doesn't like chicken. He's made it very clear. He doesn't like chicken, blah, blah, blah. I keep offering it. Cause that's what I tell, you know, all my clients and all the people who follow me on Instagram, just keep offering. You eat what you eat in your family. You offer it to your child. Just make sure they have something else to eat. But, um, 
he today I gave him a leftover chicken fajita, which he actually ate very well last night. And today he's eating it and he goes, hey, mom, I actually like chicken when it's in a burrito, but I don't like chicken by itself. And I thought that was so profound. It's like, yeah, those are the type of things I'm trying to teach adults that, hey, you cannot like a certain food on a certain day, but that day might change or you might like that food in a prepared a certain way, but you know, not another way. Like my father-in-law hates chicken when it's boiled. He's like, I'll never eat it when it's boiled, but other ways he likes it. And so that's part of being creative and, um, curious and, you know, getting maybe some recipes from a dietitian or from a friend or whatnot and trying out those different recipes. Cause you never know what's going to strike a chord with your body. And we change over time, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's plenty of foods that I hated as a kid that now I love. Like I shared today about sweet potatoes. I hated sweet potatoes as a kid. And I strongly believe it's because the first time I was introduced to sweet potatoes, they were out of a can. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> judgy it's so bad sweet potato fries are the way to don't go. do it I, I agree mm-hmm. yes not fries. good yeah. oh yes, yeah, so good so but now I like love sweet potatoes so it's just um it's it's finding different foods and how they respond to your body at different periods in your life and that can evolve and giving us the space and the freedom to know that our bodies can change yeah. um is super great and valid and I, I think too that's part of the unlearning and the relearning process right because if we're right coming from a world of living on a meal plan or tracking our calories, tracking our macros, then we've kind of been told, if not explicitly, but implicitly that we can't make our own decisions, that something or someone else does know what's best for us. So when we're told, experiment with foods and find out what you enjoy, and you might need different amounts of food on different days, or you might like one food this way and not another way. I think sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming because people can be like, well, what do you mean? I've never trusted myself in that way. Or, you know, what do you mean? Of course, my body is a machine that needs the exact same amount of food at the exact (laughs) same time on the exact same days. But then when I tell people, not really, your body's right. going to fluctuate and change over time, just as your preferences change and fluctuate over time. It's just very different. So I think if we can sum up everything we've talked about so far is intuitive eating is very different. And yes. um, it offers a lot of freedom and creativity that might feel kind of overwhelming at first. But the more we get used to it, and the more we like dip our toes in, then we dip our ankle and maybe like our calf. And then like we jump <laughs> in one day and it's just the best thing ever because we can make peace with food and our bodies in a way that, like you said, does last for the rest of our lives. One of my clients, you were talking about some of your clients earlier. Um, I genuinely feel that my clients are like my best teachers. Like some of my clients will drop knowledge bombs during our calls. And I'm like, I need to hire you. Like you're awesome. And I, um, one of the things that one of my clients said towards the end of her journey working with me, was that intuitive eating is the only thing she's ever done where she feels like she gains momentum over time. She compared it to dieting or being on a diet where you get really excited at the beginning because you have all these promises that are offered to you and you're gonna look a certain way and you're gonna feel your best ever, right? All of these things that we're told. But then over time, we start to realize 
well, that's not actually the case because I can't keep this up. And the more days that go on, the worse I feel and the more stressed about food I am. So uh, momentum peters out over time. But she said with intuitive eating, she started wow. out feeling not wonderful about it. She was kind of confused. There were a lot of questions. It was kind of anxiety provoking at points. But the more she dipped that toe in, <laughs> the metaphorical toe that I was just talking about, the more confidence that she gained over time and the better that she felt. So we ended our journey. I call it, they graduate from working with me because you don't uh -huh. end your journey, right? So right. she graduated and she felt the best that she had ever felt around food and how to nourish her body. And it wasn't because I'd given her a plan or told her how many calories to eat or given her an on limits and off limits food list. So um, I thought that really ties into what you were saying earlier about the, the momentum and how we gain momentum over time rather than these false promises that were offered only to realize that we can't keep them up for the rest of our life. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I've never thought of it that way, but that's absolutely true. People get so excited on Sunday night to start that diet on Monday. They're at their highest high that they really truly will be on that diet. Um, and then when it actually comes and starts, you know, they start dropping every day feeling like I'm a failure. I ended up binging on this. I ruined my diet. I might as well start again. And that is, wow, that's super profound. I'm never going to let go of that. That cycle. <laughs> yeah. And then how long do you typically work with clients? Does it vary based on just like how long they've been struggling? You know, I'm sure some people can learn these tips and tricks and the mindset, you know, faster than others. So what's a, like a typical journey of working with you like? So all of my clients work with me for varying amounts of time. Uh, my program is a month to month program because I really don't believe, and maybe both of you would agree with me, that the kind of like change that we're talking about here can't really be made in meeting with a dietitian for like one time or oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, it is an ongoing month to month journey. I don't make them stay for a certain amount of time as it is right now, because I genuinely believe that they get to decide how much time they need to feel confident in this process and go at it alone. But many of my most successful clients do stay with me for at least six to nine months. Uh, yesterday I had a graduation call with someone who I've been working with for a year. So it really just does depend on their history and what kind of a past with dieting or disordered eating that they come from and how much support that they want along the way. So different for everybody, but I really like to keep people for at least six to nine months so that they feel like this is the last stop on the metaphorical train and they don't have to go back to dieting because they feel confident enough in their ability to walk alone on this journey with the support of me and their family from afar, but you know, they're the ones in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So kind of to wrap this up, if, yep. if someone was listening here who hasn't started a journey of intuitive eating, maybe they're up and down on diets, they're just kind of dipping their toe in the water. What would you say to recommend as one of their first steps? What do you think that should look like for them? You mean dipping their toe in the water with intuitive eating, just like all the stuff yes. we've been talking about? Yeah. Um, so my first recommendation is to do a social media cleanse or an audit. This is the only cleanse or detox you will ever hear me recommend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we love, love it. Because if you got a liver and you got kidneys, you're good to go as far as Yes, that. thank yeah. you. Amen. Seriously. <laughs> Great. But um, yeah, so the first step that I recommend people take is 
if you are wanting to step into a non-diet journey, it's going to be really hard for you to do that if you're surrounded by messages that say otherwise. I call this my pink elephant analogy. If I were to tell you to not think about pink elephants for the next day, <laughs> okay, great, whatever. But then I give you a pink elephant t-shirt and wallpapered your house in pink elephants and gave you like a pop socket for your phone with a pink elephant. <laughs> It'd be really hard for you to be successful with that task. So I tell people the same thing applies for social media. If you want to be on a non-diet intuitive eating journey, but all of the content you're consuming is contradicting that, you might not get anywhere. So that's mm -hmm. step number one, audit, cleanse, reach out to some of your intuitive eating dietitian friends and see who they would recommend for you to follow. Cause I know I got a list of people about a mile long that I'm like, here, take these people. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but the right. other step that I recommend for people is just to look for more information, starting with the intuitive eating book that we talked about earlier. So if anyone is listening and they don't know this book, it is simply called Intuitive Eating, surprise, surprise, <laughs> written by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch that outlines the 10 principles that inform intuitive eating, the research behind it. So I point everyone in the direction of that book just to sit with the information to absorb it. And then of course, uh, reach out if they have further questions, but that's where I recommend they start. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love that. All right. Well, let us, um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media or if they want to work with you, um, give them kind of a chance. And then all of that information will be in the description box as well. Perfect. So the good thing about social media is I'm just about everywhere <laughs> like you guys are as well. But the, the place I hang out most often is Instagram. So they can find me there. It's just my name. So at Claire Schooning. Uh, the other place that they can find me, two other main places, uh, I run a free private Facebook community on Facebook. Of course, it's called the Yours Truly Goal Slayer. So this is a free community for not only people who do work with me one on one, but also anyone who is interested in learning more about intuitive eating or what it might look like to take some of those 10 principles and actually bring them into your day-to-day -day life. So I do daily posts. We do themes like the theme for the month of November is attitude of gratitude. So we're talking about gratitude. I do live training videos. So it's a really positive and supportive community for people just wanting more information. So look us up there. And the last place that you can find me is like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the yours truly podcast. So check me out. We do guests. I'm going to have to have both of you on. I do solo episodes. Awesome. So all of those places will point you back to me. So thanks so much for having me guys. Great. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. And she kind of touched on something Brooke and I wanted to remind you guys of. We are currently doing a giveaway and in that giveaway, you will get that intuitive eating book, um, that she discussed before. Also health at every size, some fit snacks, snacks, mm -hmm. right? Amazon gift card, Amazon gift card. I almost Ooh. forgot. <laughs> That's like the big so thing. once we, yeah, the biggest thing, um, once we get a hundred ratings on iTunes, we're going to go ahead and pull a winner, um, at random. So go ahead and leave us a written review, share about our podcast on your social media and you'll get some extra entries and uh, check our Instagram for more information on that giveaway. But thank you so much, Claire, for being here. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.